Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It OD Podcast and happy Monday. I hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend. And if you're applying this cycle, I hope you got started on your OptomCast. And what a better way to kick off the application cycle than with another admissions interview. And in light of that, today I have with me the Associate Dean for Student Affairs at UC Berkeley, Dr. Mika Moy, and the Assistant Dean of Admissions and Student Affairs, Ms. Jessica Rivers. So if you're interested in applying to Berkeley this cycle, then this episode is for you. Jessica and Dr. Moy, thank you for being on Keeping It OD today. Thanks for having us. Okay, so for those of you who are new to the podcast, we usually split our episodes into three different segments. The first segment is going to be admission-related questions, and then the second segment is going to be program-related questions, and then we dedicate the last segment to our listeners um, to answer some of their questions that they sent in. Um, So to get started, we are going to start with just an overarching question. Um, What are you looking for in an applicant? So that's grades-wise, involvement, experience, et cetera. Sure. So yeah, I would say we are looking for applicants that are well-rounded. You know, we want to see that they have a great understanding of the optometric profession, they're personable and academically strong. But keeping in mind, we do review applications holistically. So if an applicant has a low GPA, for instance, they can offset that low score by taking the OAT and getting a higher score there. Or we want to see involvement, right? So getting involved in a pre-optometry club or trying to find shadowing opportunities. I know with COVID, it's been really, really difficult. So we have also recommended informational interviews too. And one thing I want to also um, just bring up is that shadowing opportunities can occur online. There is a website for it. It was pre-health, I think, shadowing.org or com. And that's another great resource so that you can get that exposure as well. But overall, we really just want to make sure that an applicant is well-rounded and they have a variety of different experiences that they're bringing to the um, to the class. Awesome, and thanks for sharing that resource with the listeners. I'm sure um, they'll find it very helpful um, given that the application cycle is um, getting ready to launch um, in about two weeks. Um, that being said, do you have any um, like OAT or GPA cutoffs that applicants should be mindful of? So we do not have any cutoffs. We do look at all scores and we hope that if say, for instance, you have a lower GPA, then you're going to take the OAT. Or if you have a low OAT score that your GPA is going to be higher. So no cutoffs necessarily. Awesome. So you did mention that you can take the OAT. So is the OAT optional um, or what's the um, criteria for that? Yes. So this, well, I should say last year it was optional and then we're going to do test optional again this year as well. So I always recommend that if an applicant is worried about their GPA, then they should take the OAT. But if you're say, for instance, in the category where you have a 3.5 or higher then you don't necessarily have to take it, it's really meant to improve your application. Gotcha. So you could still get invited to interview um, even if you don't um, take the OAT or you don't plan on it. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, So could you still get invited to interview without completing all the prerequisites? I know Berkeley specifically, you guys require um, an additional prereq that not every school does. Um, So could you still get invited to interview without completing that um, prereq? So that is correct. We require 13 prerequisites, including immunology. I think we are the only school that requires immunology. 
But the reason why it's a requirement is because we surveyed our alumni and they said that the one course that they wished they had taken is immunology. So this just goes to kind of show the relationship that exists between alumni and the students, um, as well as obviously the admissions office. We wanna make sure that everyone is prepared when they're coming into the program. And so, yes, you can absolutely um, get an interview, for instance, without taking all of your prerequisites. You can submit your application with a maximum of four outstanding prereqs. So, for sure, you shouldn't be worried necessarily if you have a couple outstanding at the time that you're submitting your application. Awesome. That's great to know. Um, so we talked a lot about the application process. So if and when you get that um, interview invitation, it's an exciting thing. Um, how can applicants prepare for interview day so that they can um, leave the best possible impression on their interviewers? Sure. So I'll say, first and foremost, that the interview is where the applicant can really shine. This is where you're getting um, to give the interviewers, so a faculty member as well as a current student, more information about your personality, why you're interested in Berkeley optometry. So the way in which you should prepare is really have an understanding of why you're applying to Berkeley specifically to begin with. And then by having that, you'll be able to answer any of the questions that come your way. I will say that it's you know, an opportunity to think on your feet. And so as a result of that, there's some aspects that you can't necessarily prepare for, but you can in terms of making sure that you're, um, you know, for instance, it is a very formal setting, even though it's virtual. So business professional, attire, having your questions prepared, making sure that your mic works beforehand, all of those little details really do add up. Having questions for your interviewers too. So all of that is very important um, in the preparation of the interview. Awesome. So what is the format for the interview? Um, whether that's, um, if it's virtual or in-person, I'm assuming it'll be pretty similar. Yes. So it will be virtual again this year. And so the format is a 30 minute interview with one faculty member and one current student. And then in addition to that, we also have what's called a student conversation. And that's again, an opportunity to really interact with our current, I'd say they're mostly Berkeley Optometry Ambassadors. And there's other applicants that um, are also going to be in that particular Zoom room, but you can ask any questions and that's not evaluated. The only piece that is evaluated is going to be that interview with the faculty member as well as the current student. Okay, so do you usually host interview days or is it just what you do the one-on-one -on -one interview um, and that's it? Or do you do like a presentation, financial aid um, and that kind of stuff also during interview? No. So the interviews, because we have rolling admissions, the interviews take place within the cycle of rolling admissions. So one per cycle. Um, if you wanted to know more information on, say, for instance, uh, tour or anything like that, that happens as part of what we have as webinars. So they're very much so separate, but the interview is the only part in which you'll be um, expected to be prepared for. Awesome. Great. Um, so we talked about the interview um, and what happens there. Um, so after you've um, done your interview, what happens next? When should you expect some sort of feedback, um, whether that's positive, negative, um, neutral feedback? Um, what happens next um, from that point on? So after the interview, that's when the admissions committee reviews your application and makes a final decision. Traditionally speaking, um, this past year, we haven't necessarily been giving complete feedback just because this was our first year of rolling admissions. 
Um, but if it's something that you're interested in, we're happy to connect with you and talk through that process. One thing I noticed this year in terms of, um, you know, if, if say for instance, you are not selected for the class is to definitely apply early. So we have rolling admissions, the application will be opening up in June. And so I highly recommend that if you are interested in Berkeley optometry and it's your first choice that you would want to apply by that first deadline. Um, because again, it's just a very competitive. Our class is only 65 ish students each year. Awesome. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Jessica, for that information. We are getting ready to talk about some program related questions and we have Dr. Moy today um, to answer some of those questions for us. Um, so Dr. Moy, if you just want to start us off by just giving us a brief overview of the OD curriculum um, here at Berkeley. Yeah, so at Berkeley, um, we really feel it's important for people to start learning how to be a doctor in clinic right away. So our clinical program starts from day one. You start working with a slit lamp by a microscope and learning actually how to be a doctor with a patient. Um, in the first and second years, it's mostly classroom work except for those labs that are working um, on exam techniques and exam skills. And then slowly as the uh, years go by, it becomes uh, more clinic and less didactic. So third year, it's maybe half and half or maybe slightly more clinic. And then in fourth year, um, it's entirely clinic, um, except we have a couple of uh, online uh, courses that are some of our business courses um, to help students get ready for you know job search and uh, things like that. Awesome. Um, and you mentioned externships. Um, so do you know, like off the top of your head, roughly how many um, sites are available for students to choose from? Yeah. So our externships in fourth year, we divide the year up into uh, five sections and everyone does three externships and two in-house when I say in-house though, that doesn't necessarily mean on campus. So we have a lot of community clinics in order to give our students uh, more variety of patient exposure and experience. And then um, externships, some of them are uh, local as well. So some of our um, uh, Bay Area sites do count as an externship for people who wanna stay closer to home. And then we have Oh gosh, a couple dozen sites um, all over the country at Veterans Affairs hospitals. Um, as far away as the East Coast, we have one Veterans Affairs hospital um, in Hawaii also that we rotate students through. Awesome. So lots of options to choose from when the time comes. Um, so the next question um, that I have for you is, um, are there any other degrees that students can uh, possibly get while simultaneously earning their OD degree that Berkeley offers? Yeah, so Berkeley doesn't have a concurrent, um, say like master's program that you could do alongside of your OD program. However, um, the campus has a, a very highly um, esteemed uh, School of Public Health and they have a program where the year following uh, getting your OD degree, you can um, uh, get your master's of public health in one year instead of the typical duration of that program. Um, also being on a large campus like we are, we do sometimes have students who dabble in um, classes that are just of interest to them. So um, I've had students before who take a language, for example, or an art course on campus, um, not necessarily for a degree, but just because they had the time and the interest. 
Great. Um, and you did mention that, um, you know, Berkeley is a huge campus. So are optometry students usually um, come in contact with um, other professional students or other students on Berkeley campus or um, do they have their own um, kind of campus? Yeah. So one of the things I love about our school is that we're sort of a small community, a small school. We have uh, our side of campus. There's sort of two buildings a little bit connected that make up the optometry school, but we're also a part of this very large university community. So for example, um, there are students who start to pick libraries that they like studying at. So some of our students love studying at the law library. Some of our students like to go to the main library, which is um, down the hill a little bit um, that a lot of undergrads go to. Um, in terms of interacting with other students on campus, um, yeah, that's absolutely um, possible. We also see a lot of the other students on campus as patients, for example. And then sometimes our students um, get like work study jobs or other jobs on campus where they come more into contact with students from other schools. Awesome. Um, so you're kind of ahead of me here um, with students, you know, getting um, employment opportunities on campus. Um, so our next question is really kind of a broad question. Um, and it is, what are ways that optometry students are involved on campus when they're not in class or studying? Yeah, so besides what I've already mentioned, you know, Berkeley, because we're a large uh, campus in the University of California system, you know, there's NCAA football games, basketball games. There's a huge um, performing arts center. There's a school of music right next door actually to the optometry school that does lunchtime concerts. Um, there, there's a, a thriving downtown sort of nightlife right off of campus. Um, there's also intramural sports. And a couple of years ago, the optometry team won the dodgeball intramural competition. Um, we have a recreation and sports facility on campus. So anything that you can imagine you would typically run into on a major university campus, you know, our students have at their fingertips. Awesome. That all sounds like so much fun. Um, so our next question is kind of not a super fun question, but it's one that I would like to address. Um, and that is failure. So that is something that no one anticipates and, you know, but it is bound to happen. Um, how do you support your students when they struggle um, academically? I'm glad you asked that question. You know, it's really important to think of these sorts of more difficult questions as people are sort of planning their futures. None of us plan to have a bump in the road. And in fact, people who apply to optometry schools, a lot of times are accustomed to having successes or accustomed to overcoming their failures. So if we have a student who's having personal difficulties that's causing them to have trouble in school, um, there are a lot of, uh, um, so there's a lot of support available on campus. So we have a counseling and psychological services in our university health services, for example. If someone's having health issues that is also affecting their schooling, there's um, you know easy access to that. If the trouble is academics or difficulty transitioning from a classroom setting to a clinical setting. Then we also have support um, in the form of tutors. And so we have a vision science uh, or PhD program. And a lot of times those vision science students will uh, tutor optometry students sort of after hours, for example, or we have a BSK program, which is sort of an honors academic program that's uh, in optometry schools. And a lot of uh, our 
BSK um, members will tutor underclassmen, for example. We also have support in the way where upperclassmen will hold boot camps for underclassmen to help them uh, with a particularly difficult um, examining technique, for example, or um, they just held one at the end of spring semester for the incoming uh, third years who are about to enter clinic on uh, sort of tips and tricks on how to use our electronic health record system. So there's a lot of support to be had um, in our school. Awesome. Um, so just to kind of recap all of that. So dismissal is not, you know, the first line of defense. There's a lot of help that Berkeley um, gives their students um, in the event that, um, you know, someone fails a class or struggles. Um, so it's not going to be an automatic, like you're out of the program type of situation, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We really, you know, we really want all of our students to succeed. Now, does every student end up graduating? No, that's not the case, but it's, it's, it's not a common thing for us to be the reason why a student doesn't continue. Sometimes students have other reasons why they need to take a break uh, or they need to take a step back or they might come and decide they wanna make a pivot in their life and go into another career. But you know, if it's any way that we can help a student make it through our program, that's our first choice. That is great to hear. Um, so we're going to um, go back to more positive notes questions. Um, so is there an estimated number of patients that students um, usually typically see by the end of their program? So I actually uh, had our clinic director run these numbers for us. And it looks like um, I'm going to take, I'm not going to include pandemic year because pandemic year, um, we shut down for about six weeks, so those numbers are, are a little off, but it looks like between 17 and 1800 patient encounters by the end of the four years um, is, is the average. Some students will see more than that. Some students will see fewer. There's a little bit of play depending on what externship site students um, go to and what rotations that they're in. Awesome. Um, so um, let's talk about uh, the patient population in Berkeley. What is that like? What do um, students typically see in the clinic? Yeah, that's a great question. So at our main uh, campus facility, I would say that we have a large diversity in terms of socioeconomic background, ethnicity, um, and age. So we have different clinics in our main clinic. So you might rotate through the pediatric clinics, for example, and see kids under the age of 12. If you're in a primary care clinic, um, I'm trying to think uh, over the summer, I think my record was 95 year old um, patients. We have a second location on campus at the University Health Services. That location uh, tends to see a younger patient base because um, it's a lot of students that are coming in. Um, and then also we have a lot of clinics affiliated with our clinics. So we have community clinics. Um, so the Alameda Health System, for example, is for people who don't have health insurance. And so a lot of those patients will um, be socioeconomically disadvantaged. A lot of them may not be English speakers. A lot of them uh, will have put off um, treatment of disease. So those patients tend to be more end stage, whereas people who tend to come to our campus clinic frequently have good access to care. So we do try to make sure as we design our clinical programs that students have access to all these diverse populations of patients. Awesome, and is it up to the student um, which um, clinics they uh, rotate in or do they have to do for all of them? 
So that's a great question. So we want to make sure that we graduate a student that is really well-rounded. So what that means is um, when they're a third year, they get assigned um, to clinics to make sure that they sort of hit all the marks we want them to hit. So they're in primary care for a certain amount of time. They're in our binocular vision clinic for a certain amount of time. And then they rotate through our contact lens clinic. When they hit fourth year, then they also are gonna rotate through our um, medical clinic for people who have chronic diseases. They're also gonna rotate our, through our low vision clinic, but then where they get some options is when it comes to our externships. There's kind of a grid that they pick from within. So for example, we say, okay, you have three externships. One of these has to be medically oriented. Um, one of them has to be primary care oriented, and then you have a wild card where you can pick whatever you want. So students who really want to study disease are, might end up picking two medically oriented and one primary care versus somebody who has an interest in private practice might pick, they have to pick a medically oriented, but then they might have their third wild card um, be a private practice, for example. Awesome. Okay. So uh, we're coming up on our very last program related question. And that is how do you prepare your students for the national board? So from the sounds of it, sounds like the curriculum and the clinic um, looks, you know, very rigorous and it will prepare students for national boards. Is there any additional classes, courses, or tools that you provide students um, to kind of prepare them even more for boards? Yeah, so in the so part one of boards um, tends to be the most challenging for most people, um, not just Berkeley students, but I think I think you get all optometry students to agree part one can be challenging and that's just because it has the most sort of uh, basic science, you know, it's in your brain or it's not type questions. And so that happens in the third year. And what we do is we have some sort of review sessions that happen at the beginning uh, or right before those boards um, happen where we take some instructors from their first and second years who come and they sort of cram a whole semester into an hour. That's not really what they do. They sort of hit the highlights of, you know, let's remember these sorts of things. Um, in terms of part two and part three, um, Berkeley students tend to perform really well on all parts of the boards, but they tend to shine um, on parts two and part three, just because those tend to be more clinically relevant. Um, and so in terms of, you know, do we provide extra um, tutelage for parts two and part three, you know, not as much um, because our students just by being in clinic and having as much clinical experience as they get, that's all they need to study for boards. Awesome. Okay. So we are going to go ahead and just answer some listener questions. So uh, the first question um, is for you, Jess. Um, and this question asks, are Canadian students welcome? Yes, absolutely. Canadian students are welcome to apply. Our dean is Canadian. So by all means, if you are Canadian and would like to apply, we accept and would love to have you. Awesome. Is there any additional requirements for Canadian and international students or um, is it the same across the board? No, they're relatively the same. Um, and in addition to that, too, in terms of financial aid, I know that's something that international students and Canadian students particularly might be thinking about. So we actually do offer a pretty robust financial aid package for international students. Um, so, again, like I said, they're definitely welcome to apply. Awesome. So our next question um, is for uh, Dr. Moy. And this question asks, how important are extracurriculars on an application? 
You know, extracurriculars can really help an application in that they give us a sense of how well-rounded is that person and how is that person unique compared to the next application in line. Um, when I read an application, I really want to make sure that that person can handle the rigor of optometry school. So that's going to be a lot having to do with testing. I want to make sure that they're able to, that they understand what the profession is. And so that's going to sort of, uh, that might be extracurriculars, like maybe they participated in a pre-optometry club, or maybe they interned at an office, or maybe they um, interviewed someone um, or shadowing, like that kind of helps that. And then I'm looking to make sure that they have the qualities that will make them successful as an optometrist. And often those are things like leadership, communication skills, that's gonna help with the interview um, for us to kind of figure out. But extracurriculars can help um, round out that portion of an application and just show us that that person is uh, a good match. Awesome. Um, our next question here um, is for Jess, and it says, how has the interview process changed, if any, post-COVID? So before COVID, there used to be a day, a whole day related to interviews. Uh, that was pre, I haven't, I obviously hadn't gotten there yet, but post-COVID, we are now doing them um, virtual. And I think that's gonna continue. It just has been a, a great opportunity for more students to have the opportunity to interview. And then in addition to that, really the flexibility of the timing, et cetera. So I think, you know, we're gonna probably continue with the virtual interview for this year at least. And then who knows, maybe in the future, there might be a hybrid option. Awesome, okay. Um, so my next question is also for you, Jess. And this question asks, how can you apply for the Berkeley summer program? Okay, so I think you're referring to our OptoCamp, which is amazing. Um, and OptoCamp really is a two-week summer program, which gives you more information on the field of optometry. There's panels, there's um, networking with alumni. And as a result of that, to apply, the application for this year is actually closed. But if you're interested in applying for next year, what I recommend doing is one, getting on our newsletter. So our newsletter is called Blink and you can you register yourself for that on our website. That will let you know when the application opens and then you'll be able to navigate. If you go to our admissions tab and then under our admissions tab on the left-hand side, there's one particular area that's entitled OptoCamp. If you click on that, that's where you'll find the application. So I'd say the application will open probably early March for next year. Um, and then we try to release decisions within a couple of weeks, but it does get pretty competitive. So what I recommend doing is definitely register for Blink and then you'll have the first um, look into when the application is available. Awesome. That is great. Um, so definitely if you're interested, make sure to um, register for the newsletter. Um, so we're coming up on our very last um, question from a listener, and this one is for Dr. Moy. Um, this question asks, what are some recommendations for reapplicants? That is a great question. So um, I, first, let me just say, we have a robust history of people reapplying and being accepted. And so um, I would encourage everybody, if Berkeley is your dream school and the, your first application was not successful, try, try again, because uh, we've had many students who have reapplied and then become successful. What you can do after uh, the first application is you can request an appointment to um, hear you know, what, what are ways in which you could strengthen your application. And in that way, um, our admission staff can let you know, well, you know, it looks like 
uh, there was a concern that you didn't understand optometry as a profession, for example. Um, so whatever that was in your application, then in the as, as you're waiting to reapply, I would do whatever I could to strengthen that part of my application. So for example, um, if the concern was I didn't know optometry, I would try to make sure that I could shadow or maybe get an internship or even a job at an optometry office. If the concern was that um, the interview process um, had been weaker, then I might practice with a friend or two um, to get my interview skills um, up, for example. So there's a lot that people can do to strengthen their application. Sometimes um, uh, reapplications, I actually was a reapplicant. And the reason why I was a reapplicant was because I didn't think I could get into Berkeley. Um, and so I applied. And I didn't have a plan to do all of my prerequisites before I could possibly enter. I just wanted to see if I could get in or not. Um, and so I got the feedback that my application was strong, but they didn't think there was any way I could possibly, just based on the time left, I could get my prerequisites done before fall semester started and they were right. Um, so that gave me courage to apply the next year. And that also gave me uh, a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of uh, hope and I went ahead and took all my prerequisites um, and tried to do it as best I could on them. So yeah, I haven't actually thought about that. I was a reapplicant to Berkeley. That's, that's an awesome story to share because that gives applicants hope um, if they um, the, their first application wasn't successful. Um, you were a reapplicant and here you are now. So um, never give yeah. up, you know, you can always keep trying and, you know, take that feedback into account. That's great that um, you guys offer feedback because I think where a lot of people struggle um, when they do, um, you know, get an outcome less than, ap that, than an acceptance um, is where did I go wrong? And um, a lot of the times when you get that decision, you don't get um, kind of a pointers where you went wrong on the application. Um, so that's great that you offer that so that they know exactly how to strengthen the application for the future. Yeah, and Karen, can I just add one more thing, which is that um, this year was the first year we did rolling admissions this past year. Um, and what ended up happening towards the end because we were doing rolling was we had a lot of really, really strong applicants come in, but there just wasn't space in the class anymore. And so what I would just like to encourage everyone is number one, if you, if you wanna hear like, what is the secret? How can I get a leg up in applying to Berkeley? I would say apply early. Make sure you're in one of the first um, uh, uh, cohorts. We, we have four cycles that we're gonna do. And so if you can make it into the first or second cycle, I think that's really an advantage. Um, but if you're out there listening and, and you're like, gosh, I don't know how my application could have been stronger. It may have just been that you applied later and the class had already filled up. So I do encourage people to please reapply and please apply early. So when you say apply early, um, what is considered early for this cycle um, that's about to open up on June 30th? So our first deadline, Jess is gonna jump in here and correct me if I'm wrong. Our first deadline, I believe is the end of, uh, end of July. Um, yes, so the July end of July. Three. Yeah, and then our second cycle, um, anyone who applies um, by September 1st. So those are our first two cycles. Sometimes people will say, oh, but I don't have, um, my last two prerequisites, that's okay. I would, I would encourage you to apply anyway. Um, and then our third cycle, uh, the application deadline is October 15th and our last cycle, the application deadline is November 30. 
Okay. All righty. Thank you so much to Jessica and Dr. Moy for your time. Um, this was such an awesome episode and we shared a lot of good information about Berkeley optometry today. So that is all we have for you this week. I hope you found it helpful. And as always, make sure that you follow the podcast Instagram at keepin.it.od. And I will be starting optometry school actually in about 14 days or so. So the content is going to be a little different. I would love your input. So if you just want to DM me what kind of content you'd like to see on the Instagram and the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. And again, for any collaboration requests, it's at keeping it OD podcast, all one word at hotmail.com. And I will see you with a brand new episode next time. And as always, we'll be keeping it OD. Thank you guys.